In this episode, Dr. Cashy reviews some ideas in the last few lessons before the test. Just kidding, no test. It only determines whether you live or die miserably. Anyway. And highlights some ideas for improvement. The good doctor argues how punishing yourself and acting harsher and stricter with your lifestyle makes things worse. Instead, let's figure out more fun and interesting ways to use our bodies more times for things. A significant factor in metabolic health. So if you can, listen while standing or walking. Or both. Roll the intro! Hello, uh, and welcome to <laughs> Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. In today's lesson, piggybacks on some of the ideas in the previous lesson, except this time, they're getting a little more fleshed out, a little more effectively. After reviewing the last lesson, there are definitely some areas for improvement, so that's today's goal. Uh, a little heavier hitting on the practical nature of the ongoing discussion of the, the I guess, little heavier hitting on the practical nature of the ongoing discussion of you are what you eat, sugar is toxic stuff. That whole discussion. So here's what you're learning. The implications of sugar and activity on your open parentheses, metabolic close parentheses, health. Number two, your metabolic health, although conveniently correlated and therefore confused with body weight, is pretty separate from it. And annoying contrarian extremists, please, again, go be right about obesity and disease over there. Okay, thank you. And number three, this is really all just a big shill for hypocrisy, Hippocrates, Hippocrates, who went on record saying walking is pretty cool. He just might be the OG doctor, okay? Just saying. <laughs> OG Western modern, I, I don't know. Read it somewhere. Thought it was cool. There's a little bit of background here. Your metabolic health is a function of how energy flows through your body. This energy, although it is derived from food, is more or less divorced from, although many times correlated with, metabolic health. You eat sugar, your blood sugar goes up, high blood sugar leads to obesity and diabetes, therefore sugar is evil and all the other nonsense like you are what you eat. Uh, that, that premise is, makes perfect sense and it is also perfectly dumb. Okay, this is 99% right and 100% stupid. Well, if the sugar's up all the time and then that must be the sugar you're eating, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Anyway, the, the scientific evidence, experimental, clinical, and even philosophical, all tend to agree that metabolic health is relatively divorced from what sugar does to your body and mostly because that is philosophically and scientifically absurd, such as the relationship with food. Does sugar do anything to you? The answer is no. Rather, your metabolic health is intimately connected with what your body does to sugar. Huh which, as luck would have it, you are able to modify. You're able to influence uh, with a great level of influence, actually. And therefore, the single largest modifiable factor in metabolic health is moving your body. Only, only modifying sugar is like hurting your knee and using a crutch to walk forever. <laughs> Does it make it easier on your knee? Yes. Does it make your knee better? No. On the opposite side of the same coin, changing the percentage of your diet, or in the same vein rather, changing the percentage of your diet coming from sugar may, may make some of the changes in the scary looking blood work numbers that's, uh, <clears throat> and, and that, that might make you and, and possibly your clinician feel better. But does that mean you are getting better? Do you have increased levels of metabolic robustness? Uh, no, likely not. 
taking it easier on your body, although with proper coaching has a, a super important practical utility in the short term because it opens you up to do other things. Uh, if it continues as the method of treatment, it only leads one direction to continuously take it easier on your body, just like depending on the crutch for your knee. Okay. If you take the crutch away and the problems return, are you better? No. If you take the percentage of your diet coming from sugar back up and the problems return, are you better? No. Now, if you purposefully and rationally ignore the practical extremes, you know, like drinking a gallon of maple syrup, ha, 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 uh, in the answering of this question, again, the answer is no. Your only real option to stay healthy, therefore, is a life of continuous and harsher restriction as you go. By the time humans hit middle age, they feel like they are banned from food because they kind of are. Banned from eating salt because their circulatory system and kidneys will explode. Banned from eating fat because their hearts and their liver will explode. Banned from eating sugar because their pancreas will explode and your brain will start undergoing demented changes and an explosion of cancer will take its place. Even from eating protein, because as soon as you look at a steak, you guessed it, your bones will acidify and dissolve, your colon will turn into a big tumor, and oh yeah, your kidneys will explode too. What does that leave you with? <laughs> Good luck. It leaves you with luck. What's left? I mean, it, it's, it's preposterous. Does anyone else see how comical this is? What is the indubitable result of feeling overly restricted? Well, fear and anxiety and guilt around food and eating and or hostility and frustration around food and eating. The screw it, why bother? Do you feel either of these ways? One or the other, or even both? Even both at the same time? <laughs> Do you agree that becoming harsher and stricter and just banning more foods over time is a way to make people healthier is a silly answer to a problem that has a realistic and practical solution of just being more active? Changing your diet has modest, relatively trivial protective factors and the definitive masking of underlying metabolic derangements. Again, uh, food and fatness may exacerbate an existing problem, but that is divorced from causing the problem. This is like driving around on flat tires and complaining that the car gets bad gas mileage. <laughs> the triviality of practical dietary factors and metabolic health aside, activity has a large and measurable and many times immediate effects on quite possibly all aspects of nutrient energy metabolism and thus metabolic health from soup to nuts. Even on the behavior side, from establishing dietary patterns and other food and eating behaviors and uh, just uh, has a huge impact on the behavioral side of food and eating. Uh, and then on the biochemical side and physiological side of uptake, storage, mobilization, and oxidation of blood sugar and blood fat, and the transport of electrolytes and counter ions of salt and all that other fun sciencey stuff. Now changing your diet might make a trivial impact on how your body does these things, but it really works around how your body does these things more than it changes them, uh, which again might make you feel better, Moving your body around, though, actually changes what your body does to food at its most basic biological levels, which might make you um, more than feel better, but get better. <laughs> to throw some fancy science words in the mix here, uh, this has to do with skeletal muscle biochemical flux, hepatic, which is liver biochemical flux, and concomitant improvements in peripheral insulin sensitivity. Right, how your how your body disposes of glucose and sugars right outside outside the brain, like muscles and liver and stuff, and central insulin sensitivity, which is disposal of glucose uh, inside of your you know important brainy bits. 
and nutrient energy partitioning. Like all these things, all these positive changes are due to dose dependent alterations and interactions between sugar and activity. So state this in a, in a little more regular way, these improvements in metabolic health and sugar intake are hand in hand with active people. In other words, in many cases, the more active they are, the higher percentage of their diet comes from sugar, the more metabolically healthy they are. And this is because the muscles and the liver and the heart and the fat and the brain, they all become best buddies again. That's what that means. And if you take a closer look at the so-called non-communicable diseases straining the first world, guess what organs they tend to relate with? Activity has strong, immediate, and measurable effects on nutrient partitioning and biochemistry, and for that reason, activity is the most practical modifiable factor for the reinstatement and maintenance of metabolic health, as well as the strongest prophylactic for metabolic derangement. Does this mean it's the most effective tool for weight, not, weight loss? No. No. Food, far and away, is the heaviest hitter in determining changes in body weight. If you eat more than enough over time, you store more over time. That evidence, shall you say, is rigorous. <laughs> Activity, though, far and away is the heaviest hitter in determining the five factors of your metabolic health. If your body stores the extra in a helpful way or a harmful way. If your body loses the extra in a helpful way or a harmful way. If your body deals with period, time periods of too little in a helpful way or a harmful way. If your body deals with time periods of too much in a helpful way or a harmful way. And if your body can efficiently swap between the nutrients that it needs at any given time. That's essentially metabolic health and activity, you know, activity increases the capacity to do all those things in a helpful way. If you're metabolically frail or even metabolically ill with type 2 diabetes, for instance, being fat practically always makes it worse. <laughs> But does that mean being fat makes you metabolically ill? No. Heck no. Is an overfat person more likely to be sedentary and overeat? Especially sugar. In the context of the percentage of their calories in their diet. Yes. And that's where a bulk, pun intended, of the confusion comes from. But as you learned in the previous lesson, if two populations chronically overeat sugar for years, one population is active and the other population is couch-bound, which population has more robust metabolic health? The active population. If sugar was toxic, if sugar was bad, if sugar made you sick, then guess what? Both populations would be equally sick. But that's false. That's false. Activity's role in metabolic health is light years ahead of sugar's role in metabolic health. In fact, in a lot of cases, more, more is better of both, <laughs> which is kind of the point. And this evidence is meticulous. This evidence is heavily substantiated for hundreds of years scientifically and clinically, and even thousands of years naturalistically and philosophically if you count the OG physician celebrity Hippocrates. And it's also comprehensive in both in its breadth and its scope. <laughs> Since your metabolic health depends on activity and a cohesive relationship between what you eat and what you do with your body, it is obvious then that disturbing this relationship by virtue of sharp declines in activity over the last hundred years and the hilariously solid evidence showing activities role in the robustness of metabolic function, activity then is far more likely a causative factor or, the, or an activity deficiency, as it were, in the prevalence of obesity-related non-communicable disease. In the prevalence of obesity? Perhaps yes as well, perhaps. 
in the prevalence of obesity-related non-communicable diseases? Almost definitely. In the prevalence of obesity, uh, you know, chronic and widespread over fatness, although activity for biological reasons is preventative more than it's curative. So is it a good tool for weight loss? No. Is it a, is it a good tool for weight maintenance and protection, protection against weight gain? Yes. For, for various reasons, some of them, you know, lots of them behavioral, some of them physiological and biological, okay? Now, since obesity is already here, then food and eating, you know, overfatness is already here. Uh, food and eating is a far more important factor in terms of total body weight. In the prevalence of obesity-related diseases, though, physical activity is, is crucial, if, if not the most important thing, in the treatment and the prevention. So to round it out, if people stayed active throughout those changes those past hundred years, would people still be much fatter? Would they still be much fatter? Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, as fat as they are now, probably not. <laughs> would they be as sick? Almost definitely not. Even if the fatness was the same, the sickness would be far less. Okay. Therefore, what are commonly referred to as obesity-related non-communicable diseases are probably closer to uh, desk and couch-related non-communicable diseases. So here's what you've learned. A little bit of the implications of sugar and activity on your open parentheses, metabolic close parentheses health. And your metabolic health, although conveniently correlated with body weight and sugar, are separate from it, really. Annoying and contrarian ex extremists go away. Thank you. Uh, and really, this is just me shilling for Hippocrates, who went on record saying walking is pretty cool. Just saying. <laughs> Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>